Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your host, qualified, certified, West Side, Steve Lucky Luciano. Welcome to the Hard Luck. We're here in Santa Monica, California. It's a beautiful Saturday afternoon. On my right, as usual, my co-host is Chumahan Bowen. American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian, here to disrupt your zen. Yeah, that's my people, Casper. <laughs> yeah. That's how it sounds when they're chasing you out down on the hills. You know what I mean? About get, to scalp your ass. Getting ready to give you a haircut, Indian haircut. <laughs> yeah. On sound, old blue eyes. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional, engineer for the Hard Luck Show. Yeah. That's Sean's theme song. Damn. He does a little bit of Molly and then some heroin <laughs> and he gets crazy with it. Look at that face. Look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing the heat today, partner. Yeah. Wait, wait. Keep that. Keep that. Keep that going. What about? It's almost like somebody needs to freestyle. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Damn it. Yeah. How about this? Yeah. Who's that? The American Indians, my brothers. Oh, a little. Flute. With the flute. Does that work with that? Yeah. What do you think, Cass? Does that work with it? I like that. Mm -hmm. See. Little, little peyote in there. Yeah. yeah. You know, some people, some people, they work for that pay. I work for that peyote. <laughs> All right. Guys, boy, we just got, as I always say, I got the two best partners in the whole wide yes, world. Sir. Yeah. Multi-talented. Let me, can I say something to start? <coughs> yeah, do it. I heard the Marcel Blanco show. Yeah. Like last week or two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That was the bomb. I mean, Marcel, I know, I've known Marcel forever, and that guy, he, he's just so honest and just, just a straight-up good guy. What is it that you liked about it? Like, why is it the bomb? Um, it's because it was honest. Right. You know, there was no agenda, no pushing agenda. It was just like him telling his story and being real, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Did that make you nervous about coming in here? No, it made me want to come in here more, actually. I love that. That's good. Yeah. All right, so uh, do Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds know who the fuck we're talking to? We have a guest on that I've known for uh, 30 plus years and uh, a good old friend from the West Side, real West Sider, fabulous artist. Um, let's welcome Casper Brendel to the show, you guys. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, yeah. wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. But Casper's like, I mean, he's an artist artist, right? I mean, he's a, he's a real bona fide. When I looked up Casper on Wikipedia... It's just some serious shit, Casper. Yeah, well. I mean, it's a real artist. I put in the work. It yes, says, did. It says, like, a verse. It's, when, you, when you put someone's name in and it says contemporary American painter and sculptor. Dude, that's, that's the shit right there. You know what? That's why he's got two daughters, because he's a successful man. He's got that right. I mean, right? That's a... Uh, 
That's an amazing. What's it like to be an artist like that kind of artist? Uh, it's hard, like being any other kind of artist. I would imagine. Um, Ebbs, listen, ebbs and flows, you know what I mean? Frustration, and then something hits, and it's great. It's up and down, you know? Yeah, I, I got to say, you know what I know something? It's not always been like that. I can say that I've watched this guy from a distance where he was putting it together and putting out, and it wasn't all, it wasn't all like, you couldn't Wikimedia you fucking, you know, 10, 15 years ago right, and get the right. same thing yeah, up, bro. Yeah, but listen, yeah. listen, listen, listen. Let's fucking get down to it. Right? I mean, you're an, an American painter and a sculptor <clears throat> living in Los Angeles, California, which, I mean, it's not known as the most, you know, high-end artsy, like if you want to call it that town, but there's a lot of artists here, right? Well, well you know what? That's changing a lot. Right. Um, LA is definitely getting its due as far as art and fine art. Um, back, it was it used to be New York. Right, you know, right. Amy um, Warhol walking around with that wig and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, in the past, got well. They had got about seven years ago a show called Pacific Standard Time, and that was all L.A. artists from the '60s, '70s. Right. Uh, all the museums had the big show, the Getty. Right. All, all the big museums were hosting the artists of L.A. of that uh, era. Um. And now um, we, it seems to be that we're, we've been recognized and, you know, all the New York, the big, the big dealers in New York have all set up shops out here too. Right. Hmm. So you have uh, the mega galleries that, that have uh, huge spaces in prime real estate from who have New York, L.A., Hong Kong, right, Switzerland, Paris, London. They have galleries everywhere, and it's like huge business, especially when you're selling paintings for like now, look, two million it, bucks each. You know? yeah, exactly, two million bucks each. And now, like, let's set aside the money part for a second, but let's just talk about this. There's a million people that are, you know, wanting to be artists and to be recognized as artists, and they feel like I just can't turn that corner. Uh -huh. Right, like I'm putting out all this stuff, and they think they're, you know, but I can't turn that corner, and you turn the corner. Uh, hopefully, I uh, mean, let's not be modest about it. Let's, I mean, I know we don't want to be count, but let's be real. I mean, is there a part of you that internally you're like, you know what? I am an artist because a lot of guys that we talk to, right, like even Diablo and other folks, they're talented dudes, but they're scared to call themselves an artist. Really. Yeah, because it it's the same thing as writers that are afraid to say, like, yeah, I'm a writer. Cause well, no, nah, you know, I'm sure that they would call themselves artists uh, because that's just what they do and it's in their it's in their blood. It's I like, know guys, I know guys that are they have low self esteem or whatever it is, a lack of a lack of whatever, and they don't want to say artists because they're trying to be modest. They're saying it like, if I put that out there. What's it gonna mean? Like I can't put that out there. I can't say that necessarily because I maybe I don't believe it, even though it's in their blood. So I mean, haven't you encountered that? I would imagine you've encountered tons of artists. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't know. I think that uh, if you're an artist, it's what you do, and like just like if you're a long distance or if you're a runner or a surfer, whatever it is that you do is in your soul. 
And if you can get that out and be confident about it, right. that's the key is being confident. Well, how do you get owning that? it? How do you get oh, to you gotta that? own it? How do you get to that? Well, unfortunately in, uh, especially in, uh, United States and places like that, you know, when you say you're an artist, everybody's kind of like, Oh, he's an artist. He doesn't have a job. But if you take, <laughs> if you take it seriously, or it's just like the saying you're an actor or something like that. Right. But anybody who's an actor or an artist of some sort, musician, whatever it may be, dancers, um, Anywhere out, like if you go to Europe and you say you're an artist, a lot of people are like, oh shit, like that's mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. cool. So it's it's really kind of just a stigma. I, I will say this, that if if you want to be a successful artist, you you have to treat it like a, like a fucking job. Like you, there's no like sitting in your studio waiting to get tapped on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause what I, do you gotta do? You got to go out, and if if it's a gallery that you want to be a part of, you got to go to their shows. You got to meet the directors and the and the and the owners. Whatever you got to do, it's just like anything else. Because I know a lot of people. All right, so what I hear you saying is two things. Number one is you're saying, first of all, society structured differently in different parts of the world. Unfortunately, in the United States, society structured in a way that being an artist sounds like you're broke. Well, here's the thing is, if you if you don't have art, what do you have? I mean, you're talking history and things like that. You have nothing. What do you I, mean by I, that? Like, Explain that. Everything begins with art. So in, in history books, there's art history books and things like that. But that's the, that, that is where everything begins. That's like where math begins, where science begins. It's all you You know what? Your you're a fucking interesting guy and you're right on because I'm reading a book right now where I can't remember the name of this guy. But he's talking about where, where science and art, if you were to actually look at it in time, right? Like over the history, uh -huh. go back to Descartes, go back even a little bit further, the Renaissance, all these other places, you would see that the scientific discoveries, Newton's laws of physics yeah. and all that stuff, also mirror developments in Western art from going from just flat pictures to specific subjective viewership concepts. Yeah. And that oftentimes, and it's not like the scientists and the artists are having discussions about it. It just seems to be happening in the consciousness at the time, mixing with light, learning about perspective. Well, that, well my art specifically, yeah, I, let's get to I guess that. They, that you would call it light and space. Wait, 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 wait! Don't do it. really. Get, I love that's, artists. That's dope. Yeah. I, listen, Not I love artists. I love artists. They was like, I guess you know, you might want to call it. It could. Some people say it's. <laughs> hey, like, hey, but I'm the truth you, is, like the term that, that I'm looking if, at. If I was just to give a brand, no, I love you know, it. Like, no, I'm looking at his Wikipedia thing, and it says, and listen to this. Uh, you tell me if this is true. Casper Brindle creates artwork that combines influences from both movements, light and space, finish fetish as well as elements from minimalism and color field painting. Does that accurate description? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I I try to either manipulate light or use light uh to create my art. I um, love that. And and the, the and then the finish fetish, I think you're talking about a specific series. What does that is, mean, finish fetish? So what that is Is that it, like a shoe thing? No. <laughs> well, I have a shoe fetish. <laughs> a foot as fetish. A, as you can see by my Yeah, mind. that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, well what is finish fetish? Finish fetish is a term that was coined probably in the sixties. Uh, and what it is is superior finishes of artwork. So there was a movement of people using uh, 
like plexiglass and acrylic and forming them and then they would leave like a shine or a perfect fit like car you know what it is it's car culture mm. meets surf culture like candy it's right. like surfboards it's like hot rods that candy finish. coated candy paint. Yeah, yeah candy all the you know gotcha. chameleon all the which all which the... has which has something to do with manipulating light right the finish yeah. sure. well so what happens is for my work and yeah. like, like on cars is yeah. the finish coat you put on mine's uh, resin, but what happens is the light goes in and refracts back and forth from the painting, and then comes out, which gives you a depth right. that you can't achieve with just a flat surface with, right. with just paint on canvas, right. paint on a wall. Gives the levels, it mm-hmm. gives it depth, right? Right. Yeah. It, and, and when you are, say resin, you're not talking about bong resin, right? No, no, no. <laughs> it's super, super clean. Like, like think about a surfboard right. or a car that's yeah. been like coated 17, 20 times. Right. Yeah. You know what's interesting is that when I, when I, when I was looking at Casper's art and the type of art he was doing, the first thing I was like, how the fuck does he even achieve? Like, what is he doing? What's he fucking around with? What kind of like uh, uh, chemical fucking? It just right. it, it was tripping me out. And I looked at it and I thought, you know what? I don't see anybody doing anything like his art. Hmm. Right. But at the same time, I was like, I wonder if the world is going to appreciate what this guy's art, like what he's doing, man, because it's it's really, really deep. It's complex. But if you're not open or you don't have that, Wait a know. second. What? What? So I get what you're saying, right? Okay. And I guess every artist, up to a point, except for maybe, except for maybe, right? Because we almost touched on it in society, the American society. And you're saying like, well, we don't have art. What do you have? And that's true. Everybody knows that. Well, in cult- fact, culture in general suffers if you don't have that. You would almost have to say that you actually, no matter what society you you create, art's never going to go away. It's just going to be pushed into a different corner. Like, so you, you could be in prison, yeah. you got no art materials and you're not supposed to, mm-hmm. and then guys start making canvases out of their body and doing some kind of thing. Right. Okay. There's a show right now, I think, downtown. Right. Uh, I think, well, Luck's doing- Everybody we know. But there's a show that uh, is about incarcerated- uh, Prison uh, art. Uh, prison art, right. yeah, that's right. showing right now. And, and so what I was gonna say is, is that in society, and you kind of made the point, and I agree with it to a certain extent, which it's, it's a common approach. It's not the real approach. Let's make that distinction. The common approach versus the actual thing. But the common approach is kind of like, oh, he's an artist, until you make a name. Until you're like Picasso and you can write on a napkin and pay for everyone's dinner. Until you're that, you're a guy without a job in the States to a certain extent. I, I, I don't agree with that. With it, I thought you just said that. No, no. Well, maybe I did. If I did, I'm sorry. I think if you're an artist, you feel it in your bones and that's what you do. Right. So, No, I mean people's perspective. I don't mean how you feel as the artist, uh, but I'm saying like you were saying, it's like you're not telling people I'm a lawyer and whatever. People, then the reason why it's difficult in the United States is there's a kind of a, there's a barrier you got to push through. What the fuck Sorry. is that? Sound man Sean going crazy over there. <laughs> um, there's a barrier you got to push through in order to... Gain the respect of other people? Yeah, and stake out your territory and say, this is who I am. And you've done that work. You said, I didn't just stay in my studio. I yeah. ran out. You you got to want it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, and, and so, I, I would Let me just rewind just for a second. Yeah, do it. Uh, do it. That... Uh, 
Lucky was touching on a point that like he's never seen anything that's been done before, but this LA group of artists, if if you know LA art, you know that uh, there's been guys who have been trying to do this since you know late 50s, 60s, 70s, um, that have constantly been pushing the boundaries of this light and space finish fetish kind of art. Yeah. Um, and so I would even call me like a second, maybe even third gen, right, of this particular LA. Uh, vibe or art that's kind of going on right um mm-hmm. and, and i think part of my responsibility is to try and push it to where it can go where uh, is it right now for you well right now i'm uh i'm working on some things that i'm in production with uh that are using uh like vacuform molding and things like that. what is vacuform molding? so uh you know it comes back it goes back to uh, it, it what it well what it is is basically you take a sheet of plexiglass or acrylic, yeah, you put it into an oven, and then it melts and it starts to kind of droop down, and then you put it on a form, okay, and then when it's on the form, there's these vacuums that suck out all the oxygen, so it makes a perfect form. So oh, like right. if you look at if you put it on this cup. Exactly, like these were probably made with vacuum form, the top of a coffee. Yeah. Got, Got you. And it just it just makes per- these perfect forms. Right. Uh, so I'm working on those right now. Um, in the studio, my practice is right this second is kind of bringing it back to simplicity with working just with paint on canvas mm-hmm. to try and figure hold, out. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. Okay. But then you also said your job is to push it. Yeah. So where do you see it going? Uh, you know... Where do I see it going? That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think in the studio, the studio practice just kind of takes me where it's going to go, and then hopefully it kind of pushes it that in that direction. So the more you work, the more you can hopefully figure that out and find your way. Do you have an overall sense, though, for this finish fetish and this kind of L.A. art scene where you're, you're, let's say, you're maybe second gen, right? You've inherited... And you're gonna take it to another thing. Do you have an idea where you want to go, or are you trying to keep it top secret so other artists don't steal? Huh. Uh, you know, that's an interesting thing too with Instagram and things like that. Like, I have a whole body of work that I'm not even showing right now. I love on, on Instagram because people are quick to uh, get that done. And you know, one of the problems too is uh, f- when you're trying to do these bigger projects, it's money. And it takes money to make these, you know, these molds cost about 20 grand each. Wow. So to like get to there, you have to either sell a lot of paintings or somebody believes in you is going to loan you the money. And there's things like that, that, that all come into play. So it's not as easy as I'm making it sound. Uh, It's, it's, it's a lot of hustle. Have you had any, uh, you know, have you had any experience with people trying to rip off your style or anything like that? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that that, that happens. All you the know, time. there's there's that's just part of it. Yeah, it's kind of like a debate, right? So anything that you put out there, people can use and manipulate and do. And I guess that's okay if you make it better, right. the art better. But if you're just doing it because something's successful and you're just kind of just doing it. 
then that gets that's my personal philosophy i don't like doing that like i don't look at somebody's work and go oh i could do that and i'm gonna do it there's that's just not the way I work. Right. There are people out there and people have made careers of it. So it's funny you say that. You say you want to be original with your stuff, right? But then you also said that you're kind of in this like third, second or third generation of these like LA artists. And I, I kind of like, I'm from the, like the music world. I kind of associate things with the music world. And, and LA has like a huge culture of like the lo-fi type of, um, you know, like beat scene. I don't know if you're familiar with mm -hmm. it at all. But it's like um, uh, a lot of those guys have inspired each other and taken music in a completely different direction, really, and really influenced the L.A. kind of sound has really influenced like like a whole era of producers to make a similar sound. Right. So what I'm I guess what I'm trying to ask you is like, did you find that you were getting inspiration from a lot of L.A. artists and do you guys like meet up or talk or like is there any? Uh, yeah, I would say absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I would say m most, well, that's kind of pushing it, but I would say a lot of, uh, yeah, I look to the, the LA guys and girls. Uh, but who is it specifically that you get like vibes from? Uh, the, so I would say um, uh, Larry Bell's one of my big favorites in LA right now who's uh, getting his dues. Mary Course. Um, um, yeah, I mean, all those, I mean, I could go on and on forever. Craig right. Kaufman, uh, uh, these people are, are from the 60s who kind of started it and and are, and are and did really well and are finally getting their dues, right. like back east in New York, in the big galleries and right. worldwide. Because, and this, even though they had the big Pacific Standard Time show of seven whatever, years ago, it almost seems like just the last two years that these LA artists are, are getting these big shows back East, like in New York, like museum, big museum shows. Uh, Larry Bell just put a big sculpture at Mocha. Nice. Um, so, but, so it, you know, it's, it's there. It's, it's about fucking time. Right. right. Well, so let's, <laughs> let's back it up for a second. How do you know Steve Lucky Luciano's Casper? So Lux and I got, was it, it we, Indian Springs? Uh, I don't no, know. we were. At, he was either Emerson or um, you went to Emerson. I went to Emerson for a little while. Um, What's Emerson? Emerson was a junior high. I got kicked out of John Burroughs Junior High. Went every, to Emerson. Every story Steve tells, he's getting kicked out of a school. <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Kind of good. Um, and I, I, I don't want. Almost want to say if it wasn't school, then it was just the West LA, Side, just the West Side running around. But. Right. You were out of the West Side, West LA area. Yeah, I was West LA, and um, I also could very well just be the whole like the after parties in the ninth grade, maybe the tenth grade, running around with a lot of dudes from uni and knowing Marcel and just yeah, like yeah. the whole there thing. There was definitely that situation too because I, I when you were talking with Marcel the other week, um, they were talking about the beer nuts and things like that. Yeah, and I was. Uh, my group of friends were, I was the same age as Marcel, but for some reason I hung out with like a year or two older kids, oh, yeah. which probably didn't help me as a kid getting <laughs> in trouble. But um, right. Uh, so when his band, the Beer Nuts, were playing, I was hanging out with uh, a band called Entropy mm -hmm. and, uh, and um, Neighborhood Watch. Right. Right. Uh, Those cats were a little older. A little older, but I was kind of, for some reason, that was my friend group. Mm hmm. 
Um, so I was kind of hanging out with them, but they all kind of played the same gigs and stuff. Mm -hmm. like did you? That. What kind of trouble did you get into, Casper? You know, I wasn't a big, big troublemaker. Um, I would say uh, my my thing or problem was uh, school just didn't resonate um, <laughs> with me. That sounds uh, like a so, nice euphemism. So, what, what do you mean? Get down. Uh, like, what do you I'm, mean? I'm a, you, you know, I'm a visual person. So, like for real, right? Yeah. So, so visually, uh, to stimulate me wasn't going to be sitting in a class and listening to somebody speak, and I'm supposed to retain all that information. What was the worst fucking class you took in school that you were like, man, if I had to take another one of these fucking things, I'm going to fucking destroy everything? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that's tough. Which one? Oh, there's many. There's competing. No, I'm just thinking of junior high or high school. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. I would say maybe math. But like you would sit there in math and then the math teacher would come in, right? And he'd start lecturing. And then like, what would you do? Like, what would you be doing? Like drawing pictures? Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to give you the easy. Yeah. I'm going to, I was drawing pictures. Uh, sometimes uh, was a little more, more rambunctious, rambunctious than that. But my thing was I was surfing a lot yeah. in those days. Yeah. So uh, I went to uni. Uh, and then, uh, at one point I wasn't going to like first, second and third period for a while and, mm -hmm. and I was surfing and then, uh, so I, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to buckle up. And so I went to the <laughs> principal and was like, Hey, you know, I've been screwing around. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to get, Wait, get what? back to business. Hold Wait on. A second. No, what gets you to that point? Like, I don't get this. You're, you're surfing. And then at some point you're like, okay, I need to buckle down and I got a plan. Mm -hmm. All right. Like Casper's like, I got a plan. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go into this principal and I'm going to sell this shit to him. How did you, <laughs> how did you get to that? What's that? Like, why did you know, decide man. that? Why did you decide to buckle down? Uh, I don't know. You know, I thought. I was screwing around, uh, and if you want to get real, real, yes, <laughs> fucking a. Um, so as a as a kid, I had a lot of anxiety. Did you? Yeah, the panic attacks and things like that. And back in those days, you didn't know what that was. You thought, I mean, because there I was didn't no talk, OCD and DCC. I, I, yeah, and I didn't ACDC talk about it. I thought I had a disease. You yeah, know? You like just all of a sudden, flight or fight. Like, right. You know, your heart starts racing. You're like, uh, and you're in the middle of a classroom. It's just not going to work out. But if I'm surfing, none of that's happening. So, so what happened was I would surf a lot. Finally went in to talk to the principal. And they were like, okay, thank you for coming in. Where would you like to go to school? Like basically just booted me out. <laughs> and they were like, you know, Venice or Pali? And I'm like, Pali, it's closer to the beach. Right, there you go. <laughs> so then I went, uh, went to Pali for a little bit. And... Um, and then uh, again, closer to the beach, and that didn't work out, and I ended up uh, at uh, Indian Springs. There you go. What's Indian well, Springs? It's like continuation. It's like a continuation school, right? Right. Um, where all my friends I grew up from, and on the west side, West LA, right, right, like right. ended up in. too. So, uh, and Marcel was there, and uh, a bunch of guys. I mean, a lot of them are dead. Now, let me tell you something. Yeah. So, first off, give a description of Casper. 
All right, so I kind of gave one earlier, but let's do it. Let's say Casper's is an all black dude. He's he's got all, all black dude. No, no, no. <laughs> he's 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 a Caucasian gentleman, but he's wearing all black, and he's a very he's a thick guy, right? He doesn't look like some small guy. He looks like he could carry each one of those twenty thousand fucking molds around just by himself. He's got it looks like an expensively cool fucking. I don't know what kind of watch is that, Casper. Uh, no, nah, it's a, just an Apple Watch. Don't is get it, all crazy. Yeah, but like it's like a military issue no, with no. big bubble wraps it, on. What if you that? look closely, it's just got a band to protect it. <laughs> and if you see the paint on it, like so, this is. He's got uh, a, no, he's no. got an LA hat, right? And he's got kind of um, he's got these glasses. They're like a clear glass transition. Yeah, but, but the thing about it is, I don't. Yeah, I guess the transition. It's the glasses that let you know there's something a little bit more elite. Right. About him, right. right? He's not just a regular roughneck from the area. <laughs> right. He's got like kind of like a, a kind of a grizzly little bit of a, a scruff going, and then he's got and then he's got this uh, then he's got this kind of slight elite glasses. Are those like, frames transition as well? No, uh, no it's just. I uh, so I tell you this because if I can, okay, I'm going to give you a picture of yeah. him growing up. Yeah. Like, so he said he was mm. with guys that were a couple years older. But Casper's like, first off, he's a Tall, big, kind of big, blonde dude. Yeah, he's blonde. White boy. Yeah, white. Name Casper. Yeah, you're okay? right. This guy would constantly, <laughs> I don't know why, but I just in my head, Casper would constantly have his shirt off. He's somewhere, either skateboarding or surf, or like he was surfing. And every time you could be at like a West LA, like cake punk rock party. Yeah. And Casper would be like, with all the cool guys. Right. Or you might be down at like Venice Beach or at the beach yeah. and there'd be Casper with all the cool guys. Like, right. Or you'd be at some Brentwood party and then Casper. Like he was always in the right place at the right time, but he has this name Casper. Right. And he looks like some fucking Southern California pro surfer dude. Right. And it was just like, you really didn't forget the guy when you met him. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Stood out. It stood out, bro. And it was always like, he was always somehow... At the the right scene, at the right place, at the right time, and uh, he just kind of had like this, you know, the cool Casper, factors to him. Casper's an unusual name, right? It kind of stands out. Casper how you, is Casper. How's Casper come about? So, Casper, um, uh, I believe, came about as uh, well. Let me start. My my mom was uh, a fashion designer, and my dad was an architect. Holy is, shit. Is well, shit. now we understand yep. where your art influences yep. yeah. come from. Um, yeah, and uh, and definitely hippies. Right. Uh, okay. And, wow. and uh, Berkeley, uh, early 60s. Oh, yeah, uh, fighting the power and all that shit, and, the protests. Yeah. And I think Casper really was just like a kind of hippie, cool name they came up with. But, uh, you know, my parents were nowhere near religious. Right. Um, but uh, he was one of the wise men, apparently. Casper? Yeah. Now, did you, was there a time you hated that name? No, you know what? Everybody asked me that, and like, did I get bullied or whatever? Yeah. But I remember in elementary school, specifically, uh, somebody was trying to do that bullying stuff, and uh, that ended pretty quick. You, you, you <laughs> didn't go over you so handled well. It. You handled it. Yeah, and then I just never, and then after a while, I was like, oh, I've never heard that one before. You know what I mean? It's, it's the just, old one. Yeah, my name is Chumahan. I get it like all, every which way all the time, and yeah. you're like, I haven't heard it. I'm, but on that note, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. You right. Because I mean? right. it's memorable. I think Casper's a great name. Yeah. It is a good name. You know? It is. And Brindle. Casper Brindle. But when I say Casper to people, uh -huh. 
They're expecting a homie to come walking through the door. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Oh, oh that's I, Casper that's, from that's the, whole, you know, the, the, the only white dude in the neighborhood. <laughs> no, no, no. Or, well, so when Steve said Casper's coming in and he's an artist, the whole time I thought it was a homie from the neighborhood who was doing graffiti. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because well, back you, in the day, like uh, you know, I I did do a little bit of that, but I was nowhere near as good as you know, like Marcel and and Kelly Risky, and mm-hmm. so these are all dudes that I kind of knew in high school uh that were doing their thing and their text thing and writing uh and it take it took dedication to to get good at that sure and i kind of just went my own way and was just like just doing my own thing that had really not much to do with that but i did try that for a while and was not very good (laughs) so let me ask you this so this is an interesting thing that you're talking about you would have anxiety now look I pet- let's not let's not make this all about anxiety though. No, well, we're not, but I think this is important because this is maybe one of the number one things that is either an issue or taught today is about anxiety and how to manage it. Right. That's what everyone's concerned about. Right. I mean, so many times I have people who work under me or whoever I'm dealing with and they got anxiety and some of them think it's it's, it's something's wrong with you if you have anxiety and some of the times I have to tell people like that's part of life that's you, you know I don't walk into these things feeling happy every single time no it's genetics you know what I mean it's just show up and sometimes life is risky life's a fucking risk yeah Jesus fucking Christ, I'm just reading about an article about a couple, they're young people, and the girl's texting her man, and he jumps to his death, and I'm like, Jesus, that can happen? I just had a baby. When you have kids, right, you got two children. Yeah, yeah. When you have kids, you you really start to appreciate how much risk is out there, right? Well, yeah, and and I think it's it's, I don't know whether it's just coming to the front or... Or just more kids with more pressure on them these days have it um, because it seems like it's rampant. Right. Like, yeah. Well, this is what I want to get back to. So what you described to me, because I've had one panic attack in my life mm-hmm. that I consider to be an actual panic attack. I don't even trip on it. And maybe my anxiety is so low, that's why I don't trip on it. Something like that, right? Right. But the panic attack, I know for a fact, it was right before I took the California bar exam, mm-hmm. right? There was a moment where I was driving. I started to feel numb, right? And I started to think I was having a heart attack. I couldn't breathe, yeah. mm. right? And I started to get lightheaded a little bit, and I could tell something was fucking wrong with me. Right. Well, I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I started to trip. So I pulled over to the side, and I was like, should I, da, da, da. And then like, after a certain period of time, I started to calm the fuck back down. Right. And that's the closest thing that I've come to a panic attack. So what you described, right, was something along those lines. Yeah, so... Uh, the best way that I've been able to describe it is <clears throat> the moment right before you get into a car accident. Right. That <gasps> and and everything just your heart, everything and boom, you know, like that that real quick, like just panic, just ah. Right. But it's constant and it doesn't stop until somehow you chill down or what you know, it just eventually goes away. For me, I would go to sleep and then it would kind of but when I woke up, I was good. Yeah, I have that. Sounds like math. It sounds like the feeling after you do a big old line of speed. <laughs> well, I, anxious as a motherfucker. Yeah, you know? it's like that, but times a thousand. I mean, uh, it's it's really. I mean, it goes back to you know when we were first created, and and a dinosaur is chasing at you, right. and it's an instinct within your body that tells you to fight. Or, or flight, run you know, or fight. You know what? I mean, I, I, I hear that a lot. 
you know and i know that it's true from a mechanical standpoint where it's like you're like okay you know obviously if i'm being chased first of all there would be no humans being chased by a dinosaur but like i'm being chicken but being chased by a tiger or a lion whatever the fuck it is right that's gonna give me or another human that's gonna give me an anxiety that's gonna give me that flight of that fight or flight response and that's true but you know, I think about that a lot because we use it a lot. It makes makes me suspicious about it in a really? sense. Yeah, because it's like I'm always a little suspicious when something's kind of like accepted totally. Like you're like, oh, yeah, that's that makes sense. when it's conventional wisdom is when I start to get a little bit. And I'm just a suspicious dude by nature. Mm. Every picture of me as a kid's like squinting at the camera like, I don't know. <laughs> What the fuck mm. you're talking about? I'm not sure about that. Ask them. I was just doing a whole thing on football where I'm a football fan, but I'm still a little skeptical. I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's a little. Well, let, let me let me just uh, interject here that I I understand and appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. But from somebody who has it, yeah. No, I mean that's what it's like. It's it's that moment where your heart starts racing. Yes. And and you go into panic. Right. But there's no logical reason why. Right. And this hmm. is my point. So my point is not to say that you don't have that, that that's not going on. That is going on. Right. I totally believe that. Okay. But what I'm saying is, is like when I don't, it's the trope of, you know, it's from when we were being chased. I'm starting. Cause I think about early humans a lot. Cause I'm American Indian. That's what we, that's right. what I do. I do. So when it happens and you're saying there's no logical reason, mm -hmm. right? I totally believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And I believe that because human beings aren't strictly mechanical. Human beings also have a mental filter. There's, mm -hmm. there's, so you have like these instincts, and this is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And even love. You have love instincts, right? Mm -hmm. People have sex instincts. They have all these instincts. Right. No matter what you do, you can't seem to isolate it from the cultural filter that's also been taught to you and or is in you. Meaning that these instincts go through, if you want to use light as an example. Mm-hmm. These instincts will go through a finish mm -hmm. and they will bounce around a little bit and come out at a slightly different angle right? because it's going through that finish. And so what I'm saying is, is that there's no logical reason, meaning like, that's right. There's nothing chasing you. Right. But go ahead. on that note, do it. That when you're saying the light is passing through that finish, yeah. if that finish isn't perfect, it, it can go anywhere Absolutely. and separate. Absolutely. So in, in the human body, that finish might not be as perfect as, say, somebody who doesn't suffer from it or something like that. I totally agree with that. Right. And so what I'm saying is, is that in actuality that it is part of the human condition that the finish is never perfect. True. Right? And I'm agreeing with you. This is where I'm going with this. Right. I agree with everything that you're saying. I'm just saying, so, so when it comes through and then you're like, I'm in the middle of a math class. Right. Right. And I'm having this intense situation mm -hmm. as if I'm being chased. Mm -hmm. Right. I got a hand, like something's got to, how am I going to handle this? And your way of, of going towards it was like, or dealing or managing it was getting yourself outside Right, getting yourself surfing, mm -hmm. getting yourself out of situation. So this is what I want to ask you. For you, mm -hmm. not for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Why did, what was it specifically about you that surfing or the ocean or whatever it is, you tell me what it is, I don't know what it is, got that to take your mind or your situation out of that other zone and was it a what is it 
Uh, that's a really good question. Um, and I would say that uh, probably a combination of things, uh, one being uh, uh, my mind being uh, constantly um, filled with whatever I'm doing. If I'm paddling for the wave, if I'm riding the wave, if I'm staring into the horizon. Uh, so it's filled with something other than being scared or some kind of un, uh, unsafe feeling, maybe. Um, That's interesting. Uh, I think that being in an uncomfortable situation, maybe like school and things like that. Um, but, uh, okay, look, remind me to go back to school. But okay. um, uh, I think that that was an uncomfortable situation for me. Um, I think when you excel at something or you're good at it, you typically enjoy it. And surfing, I was okay at surfing and I enjoyed it. I used to comp compete a little bit locally and things like that. Uh, so it was almost like a mindfulness thing for me to be in the water and it was very calming. And, uh, uh, and again, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, so to kind of answer your question, to go back to the school thing, yeah. I think maybe I, who knows, maybe I wouldn't have had anxiety if I enjoyed school and was good at it and, and things like that. Or, not to push the blame, but maybe there's some blame there, that the school was teaching to want more than one type of learner. Right. Mm -hmm. um, not just like, here, here what it is, here's what it is, and you're supposed to retain this information and we're having a test and that's how we're gonna go on with your life to see how good you are at something and where you're gonna go. Right. Um, you know, my kids are in a school that, uh, and I don't wanna go into names or anything, but, yeah. but they're, they enjoy school. Like they love school. Mm. Like they say school is magical to them. I mean, mm. imagine your kids saying that to you. Mm. And, and that to me, I was like, it's amazing because they're not just teaching one way. I mean, the one way might be fine for your lawyers, your, you know, whatever you're going to be and yeah. within the structure of you're going to be a janitor, you're going to be a, a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be an uh, academic uh, teacher, whatever. Um, I think I always excelled at all my visual arts classes my visual classes that I could see something like science. I'd be like, Oh, well look at the slide with the cells and, and that kind of stuff. Instead of just like, this is what you need to learn. We're having a test on this chapter, you know, next week. When you are out on the, which the is different. You said you're an attorney. Yeah. Which is totally different because obviously to be attorney, you have to be able to re read and retain. You know, obviously, right? Sean, do I do I read and retain? Oh yeah, yeah on a yeah. high level. I mean, you know what I mean. But but you know what? I'm going to tell you something. What people don't know, hmm. yeah, I put a lot of work into it. Like I took, I I purposely put myself through memorization courses, and I purposely retyped what I was reading, and I purposely did it because I really wanted to know. That's mm -hmm. but that's dedication, right? That's, right. That's the same uh, as being in a and practice. And you're passionate about it. It's something you want. Like you said, yeah. you got to want it. You wanted to know. You wanted to yeah. know. You wanted to know what the fuck you were. I wanted to know. So I wanted to know. So it's true what you say. But I want to say something. I wanted to ask you this because you were talking about it. So if you're out, and I want to think about how it relates to your art. 
So when you're out on the surfboard and you're out in the water. So let me just stop it really quick. So if you notice my work as a lot of stratums. Yeah. And horizons. Yes. And yeah. Things. It looks Definitely. like you're sitting out in the water. That's right. where you get so it So you're looking and with that high resin and that automotive paint. Yes. And, and the acrylic paint. Yes. And with the flakes and the pearls. It gives you that perspective. Yeah, yeah. it does. Your so, art does, bro. So yeah. it's all kind of related. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. So, so I, I, you know, obviously I didn't want to assume until we were here talking about it. But when you're talking about being out there in the ocean, before you had come up or became the second generation and got a, attracted to this kind of style and mm -hmm. playing with light and all that other stuff, would you be out on the surfboard or would you be in the water and would you be contemplating the light and the surfaces while you were out there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm always looking at those things and uh, the similarities go beyond that too because um, when, I'm, when I'm in the water, yeah. uh, it's almost like time stands still, right? Mm -hmm. you're, just, you're just so focused and in it and just enjoying the experience most of the time. Right. It's the same for my practice in the studio. When I'm in there, sometimes I go in there at nine in the morning drop off the kids, go there. And all of a sudden it's 3.30, I gotta pick up my kids. Like, I don't even know what just happened, but mm -hmm. I've been working all day, right? and I gotta go pick somebody up at school. You know what I mean? So it's it's like this, this uh, zen, I guess zen's not the best word for it, but this- uh, You're in the flow. flow state. You're in the flow. Yeah, like flow state, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean that would be more of an artistic kind of, you're it's interesting in it, and it because just happens and hearing you and hearing where maybe the visions come from and when i think about his art i'm going to tell you exactly what it is there is an infinite in your art it's infinite like right. when i look at your art it's i'm looking at something that's infinite there's no beginning and there's no end your art, when I look at it, I can go into it. Like, if I stare at one of your paintings long enough, it's like it's opening and I'm just looking deeper and deeper and deeper until I almost get to a place where there's, I've almost looked through it. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love it because that brings quiet. It brings peace. As if you were sitting watching a sunset and just staring at the whole thing and there's no beginning or end to it. Right, you just right. get lost in it. It almost the painting, what you're looking at, consumes you. Right, and I get right. that feeling, bro. And that's why I say it's different than anything else that I've ever seen. That's that's kind of Steve. Listen, no. so, but obviously, were you are you attempting? Let me ask you this: Are you attempting to capture that feeling that you get when you when you're looking at these? Which listen, you want to talk about dinosaurs? Maybe the most primordial <laughs> fucking thing that a human being recognizes in their life is the horizon. That might be yeah. maybe the number one. Yeah. It was there before yeah. all the other bullshit, right? It's yeah. time to go inside. There's big yeah. animals out there. <laughs> so that horizon, is that? It, it, are you trying to capture that feeling? Yeah. I th you know, I think they go hand in hand. Both the feeling of, I think the feeling of when I'm doing them as I said, like I'll start in the studio at nine and all of a sudden I have to be out. Yeah. And I forget time and it, I'm just in the moment. I think that translates to the painting too. I mean, I think that feeling goes on to the canvas or whatever. Of I'm course it does, bro. Like an it essence or, a, or an it energy. Has to. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is 
getting back to you know West LA Santa Monica culture is that was a part of our upbringing. You know, high rods, low riders, um, the finished fetish, the paint, all that kind of stuff, surfboards. That's part of our culture. That's that's the one thing that is LA. Right. I mean, you go to New York, yeah, yeah. It's it's a different thing. It's totally. Not, it's it's definitely an LA West Side thing. He totally makes sense about the art and the influences that he had for what he does. You know, in my side, like it completely makes complete sense with what you're experimenting with, yeah. dude, and how you're getting there. You're just taking your own personal life of what you found. And put it onto something. It right. makes total sense, though. You know me. what the other piece of this is? Is and he said it a couple times now in this in this conversation. Casper said it a couple times, and he's talked about this timelessness, and this eradication of time, and being in the flow state. And I got to think that one of the things that creates anxiety, and you just tipped me to this now, is that this this absolute over hyper concentration on time and time being wasted creates tons and tons of anxiety. Would you agree with that? Uh, <laughs> I wake up every morning like, oh shit, I'm gonna die today. Right. Like that's how my day starts. Right. Yeah. But once you get into this flow once state, once I get into the zone, uh, then everything I, stands still. Yes. Yeah, there's meaning. So, there's, there's a flow. There's the yeah. It's. I guess art, doing art or something that is worthwhile, not saying every piece is a masterpiece, but doing something that you really enjoy and it works out and subconsciously you've made these decisions to, I mean, all when you're making a painting, there's yeah. a ton of decisions to make. Right. Where, do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do this? And when they all come together and there's such a specific focus, but you're not thinking about it as like a focus on a book, like, oh, I need to I need to know this page because this is a turning point in the story. Mm -hmm. But it just happens. I'm sure it's like being uh, you know, making a song and you're just you just hear you hear that beat, you hear the guitar riff, you hear everything happen and then you put it together and it's happening, but it's not just right. And then you throw in a little this, throw in a little that, and then all of a sudden you're like, I just made a song. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it's that same kind of deep thought and flow that just kind of happens. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's good. And then you got to go away for a couple of days and come back and make sure it really is good. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, you, have, you, you have kids. Mm -hmm. What do they think about the fact that their father's an artist? Uh, you know, I think, I think they're pretty cool with it. Um, do they like your art? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, both, <laughs> both. They tell you me that. Know, yeah, but they're yeah, not gonna. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna tell them they hate it, right? But I, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes when you're a parent, nothing you do is cool to your kids. Yeah, right. It, you know, it depends on the age. I would say this: they have uh, a great appreciation for art. One of uh, my daughters is a competitive dancer, so she's in the arts. Oh, that's so good. Uh, my eldest is. Um, an amazing uh, illustrator and uh, designs like buildings and, and, and just blows me away like way better than I was when yeah. I was her age. Like mm -hmm. I'm just blown away, blown away by uh, how good they both are. I mean, they, they you know, they, they really do it. What's the, it like to be an artist father who broke through, mm -hmm. right, to the point that you're taken seriously by supposed people who know art, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people don't even make it to that level. 
what's it like to be a father artist and then to have created to be part of the creation of two human beings who are also pursuing art and it's kind of like a beautiful thing how fulfilling is that uh, it's it's great, um, but I would support my kids no matter what they wanted to do. Sure, you know what I mean. Like so, if she was, if one of them wanted to be in a lawyer or whatever, it, whatever makes them happy. Really but does it part. allow you? Because you know what, we don't hear many stories like this. Casper, actually, tell you the truth, a lot of dudes from Santa Monica, they got parents they don't, they got a dad they've never seen. Well, I let's let's be clear. I yeah, mean, my neighborhood, including mine, was I grew up with just my mom. Right. My dad was off wherever, so it was really just me and my mom. Right. Um, my mom passed away early, so I, you know, I think looking back in my history, I would say when she passed, that was uh, such a big turning point in my life. Because, How old were you? Shit, I'm gonna say twenty. God, twenty. So it was probably nineteen. 98 wow so that wow. makes me yeah. that was early yeah so yeah. T- uh, late 20s wow right yeah. um uh, because then there was it was it was me you were alone it was me mm-hmm. yeah. um and there was no oh mom hooked me up with 20 you know what right, i mean like right, right. it was like there uh, wasn't even somebody gonna have something to say about what you're doing <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. I mean, but both my parents were always, uh, obviously, because my mom was around. Uh, she was super supportive. Sure. Uh, and and she was a great illustrator and uh, drawer as well. And so I, let me. I'll just give you a quick history. Yeah. So I was working at a post production house, sound design and things like that. And we did, uh, the company did trailers and promos for network TV and, and movies. Okay. So I was a room producer at that at that time. And then uh, eventually worked my way up to uh, writing and producing promos and, uh, and trailers. All right. Uh, and then um, started working for all the networks, uh, mostly doing radio spots, like for Friends, uh, Frasier, Will and Grace, uh, <laughs> Um, How are you? Are you tired of the Friends theme song yet? No, nah, <laughs> yeah. It, so, to make a long story short, yeah. like I launched all, uh, especially my favorite place was Bravo when I, uh, I helped launch uh, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Right, uh, back when it was a thing. And that company, you know, I always worked better with women. Seems like there was a lot of women, women working. Sure, there. you were raised by your mom. Yeah, so uh, loved it there, but uh, ended up somehow being. Uh, Taken from Bravo because they were owned by the same people and working for NBC. And that's when I started working for NBC uh, and started doing promos. And uh, about a year and a half, two years, it was, just became a job. Right. Uh, there was no real creativity left sure. in it. Kind of painted in a corner right? Uh, creatively. And at this time, we had uh, my daughter, I think, was maybe just born one. And I was super unhappy going into work every day with stomach aches, the whole bit, mm-hmm. driving to Burbank. And, and, and I've painted all my life. And I said to my wife, I'm just, I can't believe I'm sharing this. It's pretty personal stuff. I said to my wife, um, I, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's killing me. And uh, she said, okay, you've got a year to get it together in the art world. Wow. And when you have kid, a kid 
and then one on the way. Pressure. It becomes, it makes things a little more serious. Right. So I wasn't just in the studio waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder. I was, I was Hustle. moving, hustling, doing whatever I had to do to make it happen. Fortunately, I caught a break uh, and was in a, a pretty big show in New York with uh, a lot of LA artists. Um, and, uh, and that did really well. They took over some of the biggest galleries in New York. And then I came back and kind of parlayed that into you know getting a decent gallery here and and and, and doing it and uh, luckily it just kind of took off so so that's that's a i love that story and you know, wait so you're saying 15 years ago you had gotten done it was killing you it was making you sick there was no passion in there right. you'd painted your whole life yeah. and you went to your wife when your daughter's one years old and you're like I'm gonna pursue, pursue. I'm gonna pursue painting. Yeah, luckily. However, she, it's gonna look. Whatever it's gonna be like. Yeah, but this she, is what I'm doing. Well, I kind of knew. You know, I've been doing it since I was a kid, and I think when I was a kid, it was more. Uh, I needed to do it uh, just to get it out of my system and the angst and all the pain and what anxiety and, right. and whatever. Uh, so I I really needed to do it just to get through that period. Uh, but yeah, my wife, uh, unbelievably super cool and was like, you got a year, but I know her. If I wait a minute, wait, 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 So wait a minute, but this is what that? I want. That's a supportive woman, Okay, so Steve. I want to, but yeah. what I want to, I want to get to the meat of it now is, is your wife working a job that's going to cover yeah. the bills for, for a minute? Uh, at that point we had, uh. Yeah, I mean, definitely successful woman and, and handles her. And she's like, you've got one year? Was uh, that yeah, the deal? She, yeah, she said, you want, you got, want to know why I like that? That's dope, though. But that's but see, dope. But, but, but see, that's what I'm saying, Steve. Sometimes, like, having a, a woman that's a little bit, because the story he tells is supportive. But it's got a little bit of a crack of a whip on that's it. That's right. That's yeah. right. You got right? one year. It's it's supportive, but it's realistic too. Dude, that's what I'm telling you. That's what my wife is like too. And I'm telling you, that's sometimes I think let's take it out of gender. Let's just say a partner needs another partner that's going to be supportive, but also crack. Because sometimes people go like, "Listen, I'm going to give you this free range. You do whatever right, you want right, to do, right, 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 and right, you right. can get lost <clears throat> in navel gazing and just being like, you know, I'm in a <laughs> fucking, you know, I'm when the t energy is right, I'll yeah, go yeah, to the yeah, gallery. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Casper's telling the story like, look, my back is up against the wall. I fucking was drinking. I don't know what you had, like fucking, you know, milk Pepto magnesia, Pepto Bismol, whatever you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll take a Pepto Bismol latte, please. And then, anyway, you're trying to get through all that. It's gonna kill you. It's probably worse than that. I don't mean to make a lie. She of could probably yeah. see it. She probably yeah, knew, I mean, right? Yeah. So he's like, "Look, this is it." And then his wife's like, "All right, look, you got a year." And you said, "Feet don't fail me now." You hit the ground running. Yeah, but yeah. You, you had a time. You had a time. Yeah, yeah. Time no, thing it's, on. yeah. And and again, I think. If if this is something you want, that's how you. It's it's a job. It's not like get to it. Yeah, it's lovely painting flowers in the studio. It, no, it's like if you're not working in the studio, you're out at night trying to Picture figure out shit, what gallery. Shoulders what gallery yeah, so 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 okay. So for a kid, uh -huh. for a guy, mm -hmm. right, <clears throat> that cut his teeth on the horizon because he had major anxiety in the classroom. Uh -huh. How did a guy like that, or was it hard for you? to then go out and do the fucking handshaking and small talk bullshit that is required for you to hustle your fucking yeah. paintings into the gallery. So um, I would say uh, that I'm fortunate in the way that uh, I, I'm kind of a sociable person too. Yeah. Um, I'm not closed off and I'm always into you know saying hi and meeting people and, 
and things like that. So right. uh, sociably, I'm not awkward, um, and and I could kind of get by and and hustle. I mean, I think living in L.A. and Steve will tells this that you have to have some hustle no matter what you do, right? And uh, a paycheck's not really going to come without it. Um, right. So, you know, I did what I had to do. I mean, I had to spend Saturday nights out at galleries, making new friends and doing things like that while my wife's home with the kid or two. And, now, and let me ask you a question. So then when you're doing that, right, like you're like, okay, I got a year, Saturday night, right? I used to fucking Netflix and chill, but now I got to get out there to the galleries or whatever it was. Right. Did, did you have a look? Like, did you put together a, a, a look for the gallery? Like, you're like, all right, I'm going to go there. I got the washed out jeans. Come on, dog. <laughs> well, I can't he that. did the look, and he didn't even have to try. He probably accomplished the look without even... Look right, at those glasses. Asking, look at those glasses. Well, I got to believe that an artist, look at, he's got his shoes. He's showing me his shoes. He's got <laughs> uh, fucking Daglo uh, laces. With, uh, what are those? Those are, are those Jordan? No, no, those are Vans. Fucking awesome. Look like the sunset right there. So let me ask you this. So you went there. Okay. And then how do you break the ice with people? How does an artist break the ice with people they don't? Because some artists, aren't some artists kind of like unapproachable or they're awkward because they're so such geniuses that they're kind of in a weird <laughs> zone or, uh, you know, I, or you didn't I, I experience don't know. that. I think that, uh, there's so many layers and, um, different aspects of the art business. Yeah. Um, I think the artists are probably the easiest to become friends with. Who's the hardest? I, I, I don't know. Curators and museum directors. Are, aren't there some yeah. bullshit? Aren't what? Tell me what's the most bullshit aspect about this whole world that you're talking about? What's the most bullshit? Bullshit. Every about, industry has it. About the art world? Yeah, come on. I mean, you know, uh, you can stay know. gentle. You know, uh, I try to stay. Dude, in my, none of them are going to be listening to the show anyway. <laughs> <laughs> come on. No, no. I mean, I don't know. I try and st avoid that. I just stick to my studio practice and do what I do. Yeah, that's a diplomatic yeah, answer, right? Yes, that's yeah. a guy. That's the answer a, I'd give. Yeah, man. that's like I'm gonna. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. <laughs> right. No, I'm. I'm really trying to think about it, and I. Okay, I'll really tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Yeah. I went to the modern. Museum, whatever, LA one, Lakma, Mokma, Shukma. Lakma. Okay, right. I went to that. Okay. Uh -huh. And they had a thing on Diebenkorn. Uh huh. Right, who I love. Ocean Park paintings. I right love that guy, right? Yeah. The thing that I might love about it, not, not only are his paintings very, very interesting, they kind of draw you in, mm -hmm. right? But I also love uh, his look and his vibe and his little fucking cigars and sitting there and staring at, a, at his painting for like eight hours smoking. And then, you know, I don't know how much. How much of the artist's personality helps sell the art? Mm. Well, that's a great question. Um, I think sometimes a lot and sometimes not. You know what I mean? I mean, you could be a super low-key genius yeah. and, and uh, super successful so, you know, in the art world, but you could also be you know, a super flamboyant, artist that gets a lot of attention for that you know i it, i'm sure it does in some cases have something to do with it and so the reason why i want to say this is and fuck it you know if they you know what it, attack me i'm the crazy one saying all this crazy shit so attack me check the indian i'm ready for you i don't give a fuck but in there right in there in in the Devon corn thing right they had this great video right and you can sit down so to me 
and, and like I'm not a genius or a perfect at this, but a little bit I'm like, ah, obviously the personality, they're showing the personality of the artist in this thing because right. they want to add to the art that's there, mm -hmm. right? Why do we need to see the video of how his process is right. unless that's the case? Right. Same thing with poetry. It's like, uh, are you going to read the fucking words or are you going to also tell the story about how he came up with it? Well, that, like a, that's like an academic thing. Right, right, right. right. But in that, I saw what I considered. This is just me. You don't have to co-sign this, but I sure wish you would. I saw the biggest hunk of bullshit I've ever <laughs> seen. Like we're talking a, 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 a like a turd just hanging off a fucking Texas Longhorn fucking thing, just giant. And it was the curator at that time. So I don't know when that was. It's probably mm. not the curator now, mm. right? But it was like ten minutes with this curator. And he was describing what he was going to do with Deben Corn's things and where he was going to put it on the wall and the placement. And I'm not saying there isn't something to the placement, but the way this guy was doing it, right? He had a fancy mustache. He looked just like what you would expect mm -hmm. a modern museum curator to look like. Right. Flamboyant outfit and his thing. And, you know, he was licking his thumb and holding uh -huh. it up and putting his two fingers together to mm -hmm. make a frame and, and all for the camera. Mm-hmm. Have you ever encountered that level of pretense? Um, yeah, but you know, um, not to play the devil's advocate Do here, it. but but you know, the, these people, like you're talking about the curator, yeah, have probably put four or five years alone just on that show learning about that person. Mm. Yeah, just as you studied for your bar, like all law just learning 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 um and 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 then plus 10 years of school and graduate school and now they're a curator and whatever sure um well listen so there's they a lot have, of pretentious have, lawyers yeah yeah they so, put in all that school because they're pretentious motherfuckers yeah so but but they're obviously very educated about it i mean i will say that there's there's definitely art jargon art yeah. talk that, yeah, yeah. that you have to like wait, he what? loves that word jargon oh i love yeah. it what are some of the terms that we you're supposed to say or that are part of the the milieu oh you know there's <laughs> there's millions of them um, right but but like uh you know it's 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 its own vocabulary yeah i mean um and that's okay. Again, that's academics who have studied this stuff and they're mm. writing about it. Maybe trying to make it elitist. Yeah, for um, sure they are. Come on. Um, how are you gonna but, How are you gonna justify paying ten million bucks for X, Y, and Z if it's not elite? Uh, I guess it depends. I guess that's subjective of the buyer, right? If the buyer is willing to spend ten million on a painting they just like. And right. that's not a name, right? Then you can do it. Have you? Uh, is that possible? Is it possible not to have a name and have uh, a buyer spend ten million on a thing? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so see, that's what I'm saying. All right, listen, I'm I'm, 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 I'm trying to get to some of these interesting because these are things that I think about all the time. Because I do, I love art. I love modern art. I love uh -huh. old art. Right. Right. And I really do appreciate it. I, I got a question. I want to know. It. I want to know, Casper. Like, what's what's twenty two? What's Casper? What's going on with Casper in 2020? What's coming up? What does it look like? Come on, I want you to give us a little bit of the rundown of where my listeners 
can see your art what's happening Give right right so what um, auctions can we go to where we can raise the price of your art so somebody else spends <laughs> yeah, more money yeah but if you do that you got to bring the cash <laughs> all right don't worry steve and i got a way of getting cash yeah, that we need yeah, 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 yeah. um so uh february it looks like uh late february i'm having a show here in la oh, oh wow um at william turner gallery at bergamont wow. station i wow. love it yeah um, yeah and then uh i think i think <laughs> Those are all your fans, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think, I think it was March or April. I'm having a show in uh, Oklahoma. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, um, you know, that's that's pretty on the near horizon. So the Bergamot Station show is what date again? I don't know. We haven't put a, a, a date yet. But, but uh, it's looking like sometime in? Late late February. Oh, man, look, we got to go to that. Oh, we're going to go to that. What's uh, what's a website, Instagram? So, yeah, Instagram, can you can, uh, I think it's at Casper Brindle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then website is CasperBrindle.com. I okay. love it. At Casper Brindle. You know, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, Instagram, mm-hmm. talk about opening a world of of art and everything to everybody i mean it's it's crazy yeah there's, there's a downside of instagram it's true because you open up this whole world the downside is i find it's like you got the small screen and people don't spend time with it uh yeah probably and and there's all those kind of fake sense of how how great your life is and oh that's all that. i do yeah mainly but, for my wife i just take pictures of myself in front of fake but shit for an artist i mean you can just scroll through and just see some amazing things like visual things right um uh and uh, a guy that uh, i really like uh i think began in the street world is a guy named revoke yep do you know yep. revoke yep um it was amazing he posted a, a painting of mine i had in a, a building here in century city and i looked at my instagram and i was like what like hundreds of new i was like what how where'd this come from and right. i look and he just bumped into the painting and then and that just happened, you know what I mean? Like it, it's and brought crazy. you a whole fan of people. Listen, yeah. whole different. Yeah, yeah it's a whole yeah, different thing. Sick. You know, will what you I mean? will great. you do me a favor? Because this is really important. I'm gonna come to the Bergamot show and I'm gonna bring my wife. Uh-huh. Okay, and will you act like I'm a cultured person? Like, will you will you, will you talk to me? So, because I'm trying to talk impress to you like my, an elitist. Yeah, I'm trying to impress my wife. I've been doing a lot. I'm like, listen, I'm doing this, 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 and she's like, listen, you got one year, motherfucker, to make this shit happen. Yeah. <laughs> only, only if you come up and say, you know, Casper, the narrative of these paintings. <laughs> I'm gonna come up and I'm gonna be like, you know, the interdependency <laughs> of the interactive nature of your painting, the way that it's playing with the light and shadows, is creating an interesting curiosity. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely I'll do that. Yeah. I can you know do what, all this guy is just a consistent he's just a good guy. He's a good dad, good man. Just always just uh just straight up, man. He's remained that way. I think uh I think he gets treated well and I think that he does well because he stays consistent with who he is, bro. Guy's not changed at all. No. He's just He's who he is, man. And uh, I've never seen him before, but I'll attest to that. I believe that, brother. <laughs> I want to wish you good luck, brother. And he doesn't need continue. it. He doesn't. Continue. I need all of the continue. luck I can get. No, I hope you wake up. I hope one way. day you wake up 
and you don't have those thoughts anymore. I hope you can wake up in peace. That's what I want for Look, you. Look, in five years, we're going to be able to go to Mastro's, and he'll just sign a napkin and hand it off. That's what I'm going to do. Listen, can, can, listen about. we got a bunch of shit for you to sign as you walk out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, listen, let me ask you. Uh, so let's let's go out on this. Let's uh-huh. let's can, can I, just as a favor, and I want you to take us out, Casper, on this. Because he said something beautiful. My dad died. My dad died, and he was a lawyer. And even though we had a troubled relationship, there's times where I wish he was still alive so we could do lawyer talk together. Mm-hmm. You have two artists that are your children, and you're an artist. Tell us what it's like to be a dad, to be able to speak a similar language with your own children. Mm. Um, what it's like to speak a similar language. Um, it's, it's really more about appreciating uh, their talents and and their dedication. I mean, they're dedicated. So, if one's finished with homework, she's going to be drawing. If if one, my other one will not stop dancing. She's like, she puts in the work. She she dances at school. She goes and puts four hours in after school, and comes home, eats dinner, and then she's still all over the living room like dancing. Hmm. Um, and and she puts together her own dances. Uh, and, and, and she's a, an amazing singer, which she, she I've, I've been trying to get her to take singing lessons, but she's just like not having it from me. But uh, they're, they're both really amazing. And I think it's just supportive. I mean, as I say, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter what they did. I would still be as supportive if it was something else. Um, I think it's just in their genes. And, and that's how we kind of, our brains work together. And, and I appreciate great dance, great illustration and things like that. Um, and it, uh, as I say, they supersede me in, in all aspects. So that's really as a parent, all I can hope for is they are better and smarter and more talented than I am. Yeah, bro. Right? That's it, man. That's all I needed Listen, to hear, brother. Yeah, yeah. It's just good to have you on, man. I love your art. Yeah, you're you're just a good, good, good dude, man. Lucky. You. Yeah. Lucky. Let's do this, yeah. bro. Let's continue to build. Yeah, yeah. Right all on. right, man. We're gonna sign out for now from the Hard Luck Show. Thanks for coming in, Casper. Right, and it's thanks for you. having me. Adios. Adios. Adios.